everyone, and welcome to another episode of My Climate Diet, the podcast where I'm shedding the pounds of greenhouse gas emissions. I'm Lisa Pettibone, a climate hawk who's here to talk about my nest egg. This month, I'm focusing on climate finance. In episode nine, I talked about how money contributes to climate change. Last week, in episode 10, I changed my German checking account to a green bank and discovered that this simple one-time change will save me one ton of carbon dioxide this year. That's 20% of my emissions for the year. I've already gotten my new debit card in the mail, but I still have to transfer everything over from my old bank account. So this one-week challenge is going to become more like a month challenge. But I'm getting there, and I'm excited. For this week, I looked into green banks in the United States. And let me tell you, things don't look good. But first, a bit of background. As you can tell from my accent, I'm American. Before I moved to Germany, I worked for about 10 years in the United States. So I've still got a savings and a checking account and a retirement account in the form of a Roth IRA for those Americans listening that's been doing its thing for about a decade. When I was looking into IRAs, I wanted to find an ethical place to put my money. So I guess I was ahead of the game. I've kept tabs on my account over the years, but mostly to see that it's generally gaining value. I haven't put deposited any money in it since moving. And since I looked into German banks last week, I thought I'd take a closer look under the hood. I did not like what I saw. To be clear, I'm focusing on private investment funds this week, not checking and savings account. Accounts like mutual funds, 401ks, and IRAs are ways for individuals to save money over the long term, usually for retirement. Depending on how you set it up, you can put money in regularly over time or just let the money you've saved grow. Now, a word about climate transparency and money. A growing trend in the financial world is something called ESG investment. This is a more positive way of framing divestment. ESG stands for Investment with Environment, Social, and Governance Criteria. These criteria are implemented differently based on the bank, with some funds more interested in environmental or social criteria and others focused primarily on avoiding the worst investments, like new oil and gas fields or companies with a track record of exploiting their workforce. Fortunately, as ESG investment has grown, tools have emerged to try to measure funds that claim ESG credibility. A group called MSCI, and sorry, I have no idea what that stands for, I couldn't find it anywhere on their website, is focused on analyzing financial instruments and investments, and it's developed an ESG metric that it uses to rate individual funds. It includes a nifty number for the fund's carbon footprint, which basically measures how much carbon the investments in the fund generate per dollar. This is the perfect tool if you're going on a climate diet and need the lowest carbon investment option. So great for me. The only problem is they charge funds for the development of these tools, and there's no transparent way to make an apples-to-apples comparison. What I have been able to find is that so-called green funds like to brag about their ESG numbers, so if you go to those funds' websites, you can find the information. Still, there isn't a central repository to make a comparison. So how is my little retirement account doing? I'll come out and say it. 
Uh, they're not giving me any money, but I'm not so happy with them anyway. I've invested with Brown Advisories Sustainable Growth Fund. It sounds pretty good, right? Well, according to the 2018 fund report, and no matter where you have your money, it's very easy to access these reports online. The investment that I'm with emits 27% less carbon than the benchmark or the average place I could have parked my money. That's not bad, but for a fund with sustainable in the title, not necessarily something to brag about. When I drilled down, I was surprised too by the mix of companies the fund invested in last year. Most were investments in categories like consumer discretionary and industrials with no money in energy or utilities. Now, I get the idea of divestment, and I understand that a green mutual fund shouldn't invest in coal, but I'd much rather have my money in a wind farm than a cosmetics company. What gives? According to the report, the fund invested in 34 companies last year, including Amazon, Home Depot, Marriott, and Microsoft. Evidence of world saving includes cloud computing services and efficient use of materials. This is good stuff, don't get me wrong. But reading the report, I started feeling out of touch as an investor. I mean, aren't rooftop solar installations preferable to big box stores? And can't we find better champions of sustainability than Amazon and Microsoft? Reading all of this disappointed me in a way that's hard to describe. I think it's because I got the strong sense that I'm more radical than this so-called green mutual fund, and even than the divestment movement itself, which recommends mutual funds with similar investment strategies to the one that I'm in. Because it's not good enough for me just to not do bad with my money. I want it doing good. And I know there are projects out there that could make a difference if they could only find enough backers. This is kind of the thinking behind policies like the Green New Deal, pumping billions of dollars into a green energy revolution. So what does this mean for my carbon footprint? Well, I crunched the numbers on my mutual fund account. And it looks like I'll save about 0.9 tons this year of carbon dioxide in comparison to having my money in the average account. That's something like five tons of savings over the past 10 years. This isn't bad, but it pales in comparison to the 45 tons I figured I saved thanks to my German bank account, which is, has about the same amount of money in it. So in the longer term, I want to do better here. But to be honest, I'm not sure what to do. I'm still transferring things over to my new German checking account, so I don't want to commit to another big move here. This is my climate diet, not my crash diet. What I think I'm going to do is to contact the investment firm where I have my account with a statement of my values and see if they have a solution for me to better invest my money. If not, I'm going to come back to this again in the fall and look to change my account. In the meantime, if there are any listeners in the United States with more information on green mutual funds, drop me a line. I've scanned the landscape a bit, and it looks like there might be some better options. But in contrast to Germany, which has two green banks with transparent practices and investment options that fit my needs, 
the financial world in the U.S. is dramatically more complex and less obviously interested in low-carbon investments. Get on it, folks. What's giving me hope this week? Last weekend was 48 Stunden Neukölln, or 48 Hours of Neukölln, a weekend arts and culture festival in my neighborhood. The topic this year was Futur 3, Future 3. Who knows what the three means, but I'm all in for the future. My husband's writing group held a reading with some interesting thoughts on what the future will look like and what we need to do now to protect it. It gave me hope to think that people who aren't crazy into climate action like me have also woken up to this huge problem and are trying to address it in their own way. And I especially love that it's through fiction. I have to say my hope was a bit mixed, though, because I really wish I could have read something this weekend. Still, it was fun to be in the role of supporting wife. Next week, I'm going to wrap up this month of finance. For more details on what exactly that means, stay tuned. I'm curious myself. And thanks to my listeners. This past week, I reached out to some researchers in the environmental studies and sciences community in the U.S. I got a really nice response from Skip Leitner in Colorado. He says, even as both the climate, which is growing hot, and the economy, eroding slowly to cooler, are in trouble, and both for the same reason, the huge release of both greenhouse gases and so much other wasted matter, I'm delighted you others are taking these kinds of steps. I will give a listen. Best of luck with the effort. Thanks so much for writing, Skip. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm doing this because I think the time for talking about what to do is over. I've done the research. I've gotten paid to do research. And I decided at the beginning of the year, I have to do something better than just counting the number of chairs on the Titanic and publishing it in a peer review journal instead of actually taking action. The climate is changing faster and more worryingly than scientists have predicted. We know that much. It's time to act. I'm here to do my part, and I hope that listening to my crazy ideas and real actions can inspire a few others to take action too. I hope you like the podcast, Skip, and would love to hear from you again after you've listened. Thanks for listening. For links and more information about what I talked about this week, go to my website, myclimatediet.org. The music in this podcast is by David from Kvetz. I'd love to hear from you too, so feel free to write me an email with your climate question or climate solution to lisa at myclimatediet.org. Rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, share it with your friends, and consider starting a climate diet of your own. Because if we were all to go on a climate diet, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Atom Blast.